There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty to a people who love their liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free. They called the king into accounting for his disregard of law Told their people not to yield before his threats For God established rulers to protect the rights of man And ordained government to fit into his plan To maintain his people's liberty time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from that law we will keep our people free, through the jewelry we'll guard our liberty. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Voice of Liberty. This is Rick Tyler thanking you for tuning in and reminding you once again that our only hope in this dark and depraved, decaying world is to build and establish a relationship with our Creator. It is very commonplace in the annals of human history for men to fancy that they somehow are sophisticated enough or advanced enough in their knowledge and understanding to dispense with the foolish superstitions uh, that operate under the guise of religion. It is uh, very much the mentality of the intelligentsia and the elitist types today uh, to believe that they are essentially beyond the scope of necessity for adherence to scriptural principles. The scripture, of course, says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And yes, indeed, that is what a man readily devolves into when he rejects the counsel and the truth of God's word. Fools, plain and simple. The scripture tells us that that the God of scripture, the God of Israel, the God that sits on the throne of the universe, he uses the, the simple things to confound the wise. And of course, this is very true and readily observable in our life experience. Now, I hasten to have an introduction such as this to set the groundwork for subjects that 
need to be pointed to, need to be delineated and discussed, because knowledge is indeed power. Our God is a God of infinite knowledge, and of course our ways are not his ways. What that simply means is that there is no way that we can possibly ascend to his level. He has to condescend to us. And of course, he is so vastly superior to us that it is truly an act of mercy and magnanimity on his part that he even allows us to play a role in the unfolding of his plan for the ages. But it pleases him to do that, and especially concerning his people that he has singled out among all the peoples of the earth to be special, to be that peculiar treasure, a royal priesthood. We are ordained for that purpose. Those of us who happen to be, by his grace and by his sovereign will, among those people who are the ones being described in the passages of Scripture that reference and allude to his chosen or special people. It is very commonplace for the modern, lukewarm Christian world to very quickly point to a certain people in the world and to speak glowingly of them by virtue of the fact that they supposedly are the chosen people of God. And yet, of course, a very gargantuan error is being committed in this supposition because the people who are fancied to be and thought to be the chosen people of God are in reality not what they claim to be and what they are thought to be by many in this world. They instead, of course, are the antithesis of that. And the scripture warns of this deception. It warns of this misconception that people are readily disposed to enter into. But the modern lukewarm Christian world, so-called, and I I always say so-called Christian world because their credentials are very much lacking in terms of bearing witness to the authenticity of their profession of faith. But they are quick to point to this people who are erroneously presumed to be the chosen people of God, and they speak glowingly of them, and they even go so far at times as to claim that these people are somehow exempt from the mandates that the God of Scripture sets forth concerning what man must do to be in right relationship to his Creator. And of course, what man must do according to the Word of God is that he must go through one mediator and one mediator alone, and that would be the man Christ Jesus. The Messiah alone has fulfilled the prophetic utterances of old in the Word of God. The Messiah alone is the spotless, perfect, sacrificial Lamb of God who, of course, died to pay the price for the sin of his people. The scripture, of course, very familiar in its context and in its reading says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, many people 
falsely jump to the conclusion that the words that say God loved the world somehow means that he loves everybody that is in the world, that God is a God of universal love for all. And he is an egalitarian God who loves all equally and treats all equally. And this simply is not true. Romans chapter 9 is an excellent verse, or a chapter rather, of the scripture to focus in on if one seeks and desires to know the truth relative to a part of theology that we call soteriology. This is the the area or the realm of theology that deals with such subjects as election, predestination, the sovereignty of God. And it is recommended that that any aspiring uh, student of the Word of God, that, that such a student would be diligent in his quest for understanding and knowledge, ready to expend energy and effort to to acquire uh, whatever advantage might be potentially available, but also even somewhat necessary and useful for the pursuit of the acquisition of knowledge. And if you don't understand some of the more foundational, uh, very, very much uh, cornerstone type areas of theology, then uh, you will be prone to embrace erroneous notions concerning many other areas of doctrinal concern. And so uh, this area that we're speaking of, Romans chapter 9, soteriology, the sovereignty of God, is critical and indispensable for the building of a proper foundation. I would recommend that everybody read that chapter and then even possibly acquire a book entitled The Sovereignty of God by an author named Pink, the last name, P-I-N-K, Arthur Pink, a book that was written quite some time ago, but does an outstanding job elucidating doctrinal truth relative to this subject that we're speaking of that is undergirded in many respects by the ninth chapter of Romans. Now, Scripture, of course, does not contradict itself, even though people who are skeptics and agnostics claim and believe it does. But, of course, what they're doing is they're looking for loopholes. They're looking for reasons to not place themselves under the jurisdiction of the authority of God's Word. And if you uh, commit this error, then you, of course, will be given over by God to strong delusion. He will actually allow you, he will give you the rope to hang yourself with, in effect, and allow you to pursue your errant course. Because after all, even though he is a God uh, who practices uh, election and predestination, if you will, sovereignty, even though that is the case regarding our God, he at the same time will allow sinful man to indulge in his own devices, in his own uh, desires and wishes, and does not simply manipulate the behavior and the choices and decisions and actions of men as though they were uh, some type of pre-programmed device. So all of this is critical to remember as we continue to try to lay hold of the principles that will enable us to deal with the challenges that we face in the time that we are living in. 
we are living in, in times of a very sophisticated and complex bevy of psychological operations that are being carried out routinely by the more nefarious among our fellow uh, members of mankind, not to mention the uh, spiritual entities in the demonic type realm, we are constantly being subjected to these psychological operations, which are designed to essentially breed within us conformity and complicity with an evil world system whose purpose and intent is to enslave humanity and, of course, in the spiritual realm to ensure that as many people as possible will spend eternity detached from and separated from God the Creator. We need to be armed with truth. We need to be ready to fight the good fight to run the good race, as we have these metaphors set forth for us in Scripture. We need to be ready to wait upon the Lord, to mount up with wings as eagles. We need to be ready to preach the word and to be instant in season and out of season. We need to be ready and prepared when the time uh, requires and demands this of us to throw the gauntlet down and be ready to engage the forces of evil head on while at the same time recognizing that the principal adversarial power that we are up against, and, and of course that power extends into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, uh, which speaks of those spiritual wickedness in high places type forces that we are up against, we must be ready to acknowledge the immense and the enormous wicked power of the adversary we are up against, while at the same time, being willing to roll our sleeves up and deal emphatically and forcefully with that power as we wage holy warfare against that enemy. Now, a great deal of the battle that we wage throughout life is in the form of prayer, study, uh, evangelistic type endeavors, educational endeavors. Of course, at times in the unfolding of, of history, the people of God are backed into a corner and they are forced to uh, enter into a posture of, of the willingness to uh, employ lethal force in protection of life, liberty, and property and the pursuit of happiness. This is, of course, a last-ditch type measure that, that nobody in their right mind wants to be forced into. And yet part of the psychological operations that are carried out against us are always centered upon seeking to prematurely precipitate such circumstances of conflict so as to create scenarios where bloodshed occurs because it is under those type of disastrous, dramatic, emergency-type circumstances that the powers that be in this world are most readily and easily capable of implementing sweeping and draconian totalitarian measures. And that is, of course, the, the moment that we are in right now, historically. We are traveling into these very dangerous and turbulent waters where the psychological operations are wanting to hasten and precipitate violent type action and confrontation so as to clinch uh, their victory, to put everybody under overt blatant authoritarian rule, martial law as it is often called, so that 
any resistance whatsoever can be dealt with with a massive overkill type response in order to stomp that resistance out and to frighten and intimidate other people who might in the back of their mind be contemplating standing up to and resisting the evil power. The events of January 6th were classic in terms of the the playbook or the textbook that has historically been employed in the psychological operation type dimension to bring about the pretense and the excuse for the authority structure, the state, to crack down with an iron fist upon the people of the land. Now, of course, it must be remembered that Satan is the father of lies and those who do his bidding, even though often they will claim to be atheistic, they will claim to believe that, that there is nothing beyond this, this mortal plane, that there is no uh, spiritual esoteric dimension that will be entered into at the cessation of this life. They claim to deny all of that, but in man's heart of hearts, he knows that there is an esoteric and spiritual dimension. And in fact, a great many of the elitist-type faction are actually practicing Luciferians behind closed doors in secret, occultic-type uh, uh, fashion. They actually even uh, practice rituals and uh, ceremoniously do things to belie their Luciferian affinity and proclivity. But again, as these people are setting the stage for their iron-fisted crackdown, utilizing psychological operations. Remember, their game plan, their MO, their modus operandi, is to facilitate and spawn circumstances that create the illusion that there is a necessity for them to step in with ultra-authoritarian responses. And again, they are very, very much practitioners of projection. They serve that being who is the father of lies. And so everything that they do is ultimately, it is uh, founded and based upon notions that are themselves false and contradictory. They accuse the righteous. They accuse those whose hearts are geared toward that which is right and true and proper. They accuse them of being criminals. They accuse them of being traitors to the republic. They have uh, ginned up and they have created this completely fallacious and erroneous narrative of what happened on January 6th. They have repetitively and over and over again called it an insurrection. They have bandied about words such as sedition and treason. And they have very vocally been calling for a massive crackdown on those who they are claiming and uh, professing belief in the notion that uh, these people that are their intended victims and targets actually need somehow to be deprogrammed, need to be rehabilitated. That these people who support Donald Trump and manifest and exhibit all of the characteristics of the conservative right-wing type end of the spectrum, that these people need to be deprogrammed that they are brainwashed, that they have been radicalized. And of course, the very uh, charismatic figure, uh, Donald Trump, has been used as part of this ploy because it is undeniable that Trump has uh, very successfully engineered 
uh, political type activism that in our modern times has been a scarce commodity. The rallies, the organic type spontaneous support and rallies around Donald Trump's candidacy and his presidency were a sight to behold. There was genuine, bona fide uh, enthusiasm and excitement, uh, a gregarious type exhilaration that was exhibited on the part of the, the crowd and the supporters that is very refreshing and very much inspiring. But the satanic forces, the evil forces, those forces that want to enslave us under totalitarianism, they have used that imagery to foster the notion that somehow this is a movement and these are a people who are brainwashed, who are propagandized, who have become radicalized, who have become uh, geared toward activity that would inevitably and ultimately lead to a January 6th type event or occurrence, which again, the enemies of truth who unfortunately control uh, so much power and so much influence in our world today, they are classifying this as treason, sedition, insurrection. They are accusing these people of being criminals. They have used the so-called Justice Department, which is euphemistically called that because it should be more appropriately called the Injustice Department, but they are using the Justice Department, so-called, to crack down on the right-thinking people, the people who are inclined toward trying to restore the tenets of constitutional government and a Christian foundation for our civilization. They are using the events of January 6th to pigeonhole and portray these people as the criminals, as the traitors, as the insurrectionists, when in fact, those who are doing the accusing, those who have hijacked the levers of power, they are the traitors. They are the criminals. They are the ones who should be under the most massive investigation by the Justice Department in history so as to round them up and bring them to the bar of justice. But don't hold your breath waiting for that to ever happen because it will not happen. They, of course, as we've talked about in previous installments of this broadcast, they, uh, their team, if you will, under Satan's direction, they control the mechanism whereby legal tender is brought into existence. They are able to create out of thin air trillions of so-called dollars, units, you know, of monetary measure that they are then able to strategically and tactically spread throughout the body politic, buying the loyalty of and elevating to political office or even uh, offices that aren't overtly political, but bringing people into those offices of control and influence who are loyal to a fault to their paymaster, who, of course, is a conduit that is funneling this evil source of money to the intended recipients who will then uh, very predictably do the bidding of their paymaster. And, of course, it's becoming common knowledge that a notable number of the uh, attorney general uh, type figures of, of the more liberal states, as well as the district attorneys and prosecutors throughout the nation today, that they are such people. They have been completely bought and paid for. They are in office because of the doling out of money in certain directions, strategically, methodically, and tactically, that has resulted in the ability to win elections. Now, of course, we know that 
when uh, a fair vote fails to produce their victory, even when they have uh, seeded and salted uh, the uh, surroundings with this illicit money, this illicit source of money. If they fail to uh, win fair and square, they have ways in the latter stages of the vote tabulation process to gerrymander and engineer the results. And of course, this is part of what has emerged as the big uh, battle in the wake of the 2020 presidential election, where even though we have had elections, even presidential elections stolen before, it's never been done in such an overt, flagrant fashion as it was in 2020. So obvious was it in 2020 uh, that it has been uh, relatively routine and simple for people to diagram what happened and to point to uh, mountains of evidence as to the reality that this has happened. And of course, much of it has involved... uh, in addition to many of the classic mechanisms of vote fraud, much of this contemporary circumstance that we're dealing with, and specifically in 2020, uh, centered upon the uh, computer software and the mechanism whereby votes are counted by modern computer technology. And, of course, the response to the exposure of this criminality is now a very massive lawsuit that has been filed by the very purveyors of the crime against their principal accusers. Once again, the PSYOP is the order of the day. We're living in the season of the PSYOP, and sadly and uh, regrettably and very frightfully, we are getting ready to probably enter the season of the false flag, the more routine implementation of false flag-type policies so as to set up those who are innocent and who are desirous of proper restoration of lawful government, to set them up to be calculated in the the role of the criminal, the wrongdoer, the insurrectionist, the seditionist, the traitor, etc., etc. That's what's happening. And it's all long premeditated, It is methodical in its execution, and again, most alarmingly, it is highly effective. Across the board, from A to Z, this Luciferian power structure is very, very determined to leave no stone unturned to cause the turning of a corner, if you will, in the Western world, and in America specifically, to where we will pass the proverbial point of no return. Now, we have flirted with and we have embraced the tenets and the parameters of of Marxist communism uh, for a very long time, uh, generations in fact. But it has been a steady and gradual, incremental, uh, devolving process that has led us to this particular crossroads moment where the consummation of the deal in its entirety is getting ready to happen. There does come a point in time when the enemy feels strong enough to go for the juggler, to to go for blood, if you will. And that's the moment we have arrived at in modern America. The population has been sufficiently dumbed down, at least a significant percentage of that population. The young people in particular are unwitting slaves to modern technology. They are incapable 
of exhibiting that rugged individualism and that very admirable pioneer spirit of our forebears. Instead, they are pathetically endeared to and chained to not only the technology of the time, but also all of the social constructs that have been slowly and gradually built up around them. They are completely subservient to peer pressure. They are utterly and totally controlled by the social media mob. They have no original thoughts, but instead uh, they just routinely in robotic, uh, mechanical type fashion spew forth the false bromides of our time, all of the specious notions that, that make up and constitute political correctness. They just effortlessly engage in the recitation of all of this absurdity and all of this nonsense. And the social media mob is a formidable and frightening force that loves to tear people to shreds and engage in a horrific manifestation of false mob justice, if you will. So, a very notable percentage of the population has been adequately and sufficiently brainwashed to bring us to the point where uh, the scales are tipping decisively against those who endeavor to champion the sacred principles of old, the ancient landmarks, uh, the foundations that the scripture speaks of. Now, in addition to that youth brigade, there are, of course, uh, old people in older categories of uh, chronology and age who have a bent towards socialistic-type liberalism. Back in the 1960s, of course, we know we had an anti-war movement that even though the Vietnam War was a contrived event, it was a phony war, it was a UN police action, it was designed uh, to leave indelible scars upon the once great American Republic. But the people who readily gravitated toward the anti-war movement, when they grew up, many of them never shed their liberal uh, type baggage. And so they today are very, very much at the epicenter of this march towards communism in America. Back when Obama was the, uh, the face overtly of the Democratic Party and was uh, criminally put into the Oval Office, Obama, of course, had an individual that had been a mentor for him in Chicago, Bill Ayers, who was none other than a revolutionary communist in the 1960s involved in violent communistic insurgency and activity, but who had been rehabilitated in terms of his profile and image to where he could be a university professor and could be a leading figure uh, operating in a position to be able to work with and deal with a young and emerging Barack Obama and to mold and shape him into the Marxist operative that he would become on the national political stage. And Ayers is just one example. There are, in many respects, what seems to be countless numbers of people who are in that baby boomer generation, but who also are abject, full-blown, whole-cloth, 
socialist, communist type people and who are licking their chops, relishing with glee what they see shaping up in the foreground, uh, namely the communist takeover of America, the takedown of America uh, by communistic totalitarian forces. It is so close that they can taste it. They are ecstatic. They are euphoric. They are on cloud nine. Now, the illicit funds and sources of money also is used to bring into political office a figure such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or as she's known, AOC. This woman, of course, is a poster child for everything that a right-thinking person should loathe and detest and despise in the political system and in the world today. She is so vapid, she is so incapable uh, of her own devices, of constructing or building anything remotely resembling what the Founding Fathers of America established, and yet she is given a platform, she is given an opportunity to opine and pontificate as though anything that she had to say was worth listening to. And it doesn't matter how many times that she can be readily exposed in falsity and in subversive type flagrantly objectionable conduct. She is immune from criticism by the controlled partisan press of our nation and instead is given a pass no matter how outrageous or egregious her conduct might be in many ways. She is a fitting and well-deserved judgment upon our nation today. And of course, people such as AOC and her forerunners and predecessors who are uh, the most upfront egregious offenders in government today, the household names, Pelosi, Schumer, etc. These people, they are going to spend eternity separated from the God of this universe. They are going to pay a very dreadful and horrific price for what they are and what they so willfully manifest themselves as. So I just say that as at least a minimal degree of consolation as we fight these present-day battles that we are engaged in. Because due to the fact that the deck is utterly and totally stacked against that which is right and righteous and pure and holy, it seems as though these corrupt and wicked individuals, the likes of AOC, it seems that they are on the winning team, that they somehow have power sufficient to force their way to become reality in the long-term sense. But nothing could be further from the truth. They are going to be broken into a million pieces. Have no fear. But God is at the same time using them as well-deserved chastisement and judgment against his people who have refused to embrace the tenets of 2 Chronicles 7.14, who have refused to follow after 
the simple and plain instructions of the word of God. We have turned our back as a people uh, upon the God of our fathers, and we are paying a price for that. And the Schumers and the Pelosi's and the Feinsteins and the Maxine Waters uh, type personages and the AOCs and the Ilhan Omars and all of these uh, odious, despicable personalities on the political stage. They are part of our well-deserved chastisement and ju judgment. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying imprecatory prayers relative to this rogues gallery of people that I have just given a litany of. And of course, I wish that was the sum total, but they number in the, the thousands and in the political system, certainly in the hundreds. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it is, I believe, required that we pray imprecatory prayers against them, that we cry out to our God, he who alone can do what needs to be done concerning the dropping of the hammer of judgment upon these people, these wicked forces. There's nothing wrong, and in fact, we should. Probably it's mandatory that we pray imprecatory prayers against these people, and I would encourage everybody to do that. If we pray and we beseech God, if we come boldly to the throne of grace and we cry out to our Heavenly Father and we ask Him to neutralize our enemy, if we ask Him with specificity to deal with, with certain massively evil people and He answers that prayer and He does what He alone can do because remember, if everybody in the world wants you alive and God wants you dead, you'll be dead. If God smites some of these people, in direct response to our imprecatory prayers, well, that certainly can do nothing but help us. That will do nothing but remind the enemy who it is that they are really up against. Remember, we are told in Scripture that the very demons tremble at the name of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And, of course, many people are aware that, that when Scripture references his name, that uh, there is actually a name in uh, antiquated and uh, linguistic terminology of the past that there is nothing wrong with us invoking today. And in fact, in many respects, we should concerning the name of God. I want to ask everybody uh, to, if you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 91. But if you don't, just make a, a mental note uh, to go back and read and study Psalm 91 in the aftermath of this broadcast whenever you have an opportunity. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, the Almighty. Who are we talking about there? We're talking about the God who created the universe, who spoke uh, the universe into existence. Remember, that's what universe means, a single spoken phrase. God spoke the universe into existence. It didn't take billions of years to evolve. That's a lie uh, from the pit of hell. Darwinian evolution is an abomination and a lie from the pit of hell. And it is not backed up by empirical scientific evidence. Uh, the enemies of truth claim it is, but they lie. Surprise, surprise. They serve their father, the devil. So again, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What a place to abide. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where we want to be, under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. 
The scripture says, cursed is he who trusteth in man. We are to trust in the God who spoke the universe into existence. If that God be for us, who can be against us? Uh, Paul asked rhetorically in Romans chapter 8. Verse 3, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Do we need deliverance today? Yes. A thousand times, yes. We need deliverance from the snare of the fowler. Again, remember this crafty, diabolical, uh, lie-spewing enemy that we're up against. They know nothing but the devious and diabolical tactics of deception. That is their stock and trade. And we need deliverance by the hand of the God of Israel from these wicked and menacing forces. Verse 4, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Yes, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. His truth is at the apex of what is critical and necessary for us to be able to survive the onslaught of the satanic force that we're up against. And so the truth of God is paramount. It must be our ultimate priority in the days uh, upcoming. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. And of course, the terror by night, the enemy loves to perpetrate their crimes under cover of darkness, even though they also enjoy uh, con conducting and committing their crimes in broad daylight, like the recent election theft. But they love also to employ the terror by night principle. They love to kick doors in at dark 30, that time uh, pre-dawn where people are in the deepest level of sleep. They love to jar and jolt people into an awakening where they are staring down the barrel of automatic weaponry, being wielded by the jackbooted thugs of the modern police state. Oh, they love that. They love striking terror into the hearts of the righteous and those who are inclined toward the truth. But according to this scripture, we are not to be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Why not be afraid? Well, because our God is all sufficient in his ability to bring to us, ultimately, in the final analysis, the victory that we so yearn for, that we so desire. It says, in addition to not being afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, it says, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And then it says in verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. The pestilence. How apropos for the time we're living in. Reference in the scripture from thousands of years ago to the pestilence. A pestilence that can bring about 
circumstances where 10,000 fall at our right hand and a thousand fall by our side, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Imagine that. The angelic host of heaven being dispatched to safeguard, protect, and put a hedge of defense around God's servants. Can you understand how Anything less than this will not suffice in the days ahead. Now remember, we are always to act as if it's all up to us and pray as if it's all up to him. But understanding the the role played by God's angelic servants is critical to our ability to be able to not submit to and succumb to fear in the face of this menacing, potentially murderous danger that is descending upon us. It goes on to say, They, the angels, shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, God is saying. In other words, if we love him, And remember, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his brothers. But if we engage in that love toward our God, the God of our fathers, the God of Scripture, the God who spoke the universe into existence, if we properly practice that love toward him, that he will then allow us to tread upon the lion and the adder. He will allow the young lion and the dragon to be trampled under our feet. And the dragon, of course, is one name for Satan himself. And then it says in verse 14, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. See, it's important that we know also his name. His name, of course, the Hebrew tetragrammaton, Yahweh. Or, of course, in the Hebrew, the Messiah, Yeshua. It is important to know this information to be able to wield it appropriately and in a timely manner. Now, I would hasten to caution people uh, that don't fall into the trap of thinking that just because you say certain words and you enunciate the name of God, that that somehow absolves you of of all of your otherwise questionable or uh, disreputable type conduct that you might engage in as a fallen being, a fallen creature created by God. There are many people who, who gravitate toward outward window dressing, Pharisee-type uh, overt actions that they think uh, distinguish them uh, from the rest of the people, and somehow in and of itself, uh, the usage of a name of God or something of this nature or, or the performance of some work somehow elevates you. Don't fall for that trap. But at the same time, don't make the mistake of not understanding the importance of knowing his name. This is part of Psalm 91. And it goes on to say, with long life 
will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, in order to have long life, we have to defeat this enemy, don't we? We must uh, engage in the proper and appropriate tactics in our resistance to and opposition to this enemy in order to enjoy that long life that he is promising us. Now, Psalm 91 is very foundational for us to stand upon with confidence, with bravado, with faith, and with the ammunition and ability to wage this forthcoming battle against the forces of evil. I want to take time right now to to give everybody information if you desire to communicate with the Voice of Liberty. You can write to us at Post Office Box 274, Etowah, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331. Or you can call us at 423-241-7902. Or you can email us at voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com. Again, voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com. We welcome your communication, look forward to hearing from you, and of course, believe that the God of Scripture in the days ahead, is going to increasingly unite his people together, at least a percentage of them, even in terms of physical, geographical location, that we might have an opportunity, one with another, to stand firm and true against the wiles of the devil and to seek the restoration of sanity and stability and truth and righteousness in the midst of God's people. I believe with absolute certainty that on any day of the week, if the people of God were to properly set in motion that which God has given to them in the way of dormant weaponry that they have not been using and utilizing, as well as the consecration of their resources, their time, their talent, their treasure, their sacred honor, if they were to properly consecrate the resources and properly lay hold of the dormant weaponry. I believe that on any given day of the week, the people of God have the power to run evil out of town. I believe that. I believe that based on scriptural authority because remember, Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he also said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. And the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And it says that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that this is in fact the heritage of the servants of the living God. Yes, my dear friends, we have grievously erred in recent decades and generations. We have squandered our sublime and sacred inheritance. And now we find ourselves in the grip of enemy forces that are hell-bent on our genocidal eradication. The counterfeit chosen people 
play a central role in the nefarious activities that engulf the planet today, leading us down the path towards destruction and complete totalitarian slavery. Those counterfeit chosen people must be exposed for what and who they are, while simultaneously we go about our Father's business of properly elucidating and explaining and conveying and communicating the truth concerning who true Israel is in the world today. There are many great works that are available that have been written by authors who have chosen by the inspiration of God to specialize in this area of consideration and study. I would recommend a few right off the cuff. I would recommend that people obtain copies of the post-captivity names of Israel, that people would obtain copies of symbols of our Kelto-Saxon heritage. Books such as these can be effective in the acquisition of this knowledge. Now, sometimes you have to chew up the meat and spit out a few bones because along the way, uh, in the Anglo-Euro-Israel sphere, uh, there have been people who have, with all sincerity, embrace some erroneous conclusions concerning part of this body of knowledge and information. But with that caveat, I would recommend a book such as Judah's Scepter and Joseph's Birthright. I recommend that you look and seek after and search for these books because they are precious. Some of them have skyrocketed even in in terms of the price that they command online. But if you search diligently, you can find copies of them even still today at a reasonable price. And I would advise you to do so and add them to your library because this knowledge of whom the Bible is too foreign about, it is critical. It is indispensable. If you don't know this and understand this truth, this information, then you are handicapped severely in your quest to be used in the conflict of the ages in our present hour of history, in this day and time, the battle between good and evil, truth and the lie, the counterfeit chosen people, and those who are truly and genuinely the peculiar treasure of the God of Scripture, his chosen generation, G-E-N-E-R-A-T-I-O-N, genetics is spoken up there. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, For what reason? To show forth that which is the attributes of the God of Scripture. He is the one who has called us out of darkness and into this marvelous light of truth. And these confirming and affirming words of validation are found all throughout the New Testament. Yes, the Bible is a seamless garment of truth, and we cannot afford to tamper with or to in any way uh, allow for the subversion of the integrity of the Word of God. It is a seamless garment. The metaphor of the garment of Christ that they cast lots for is a metaphor that is very apt for understanding that the Word of God is a seamless garment. It cannot be torn asunder. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my word will not pass away. I caution you, do not fall into the trap of adding to or diminishing ought from the Word of God. This is a slippery slope that will take people to the path of destruction, but also render them ineffective and impotent 
in the battle against evil. Yes, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It goes, it cuts all the way to the marrow. And so we are armed with weaponry of indescribable uh, potency and proportions. And it is high time that we use that weaponry. Again, I encourage you to get in touch with us because as we unite together in our common endeavor, in our common quest for the exaltation of truth and the building and establishment of the kingdom of God uh, in this earth as it is in heaven, as we seek after that city whose builder and maker is God, it is incumbent upon us to have the asset and the benefit of the strength that is derived through unity in the bonds of truth. And so toward that end, uh, we must consecrate our commitment, our dedication, and the expenditure of our resources and the abilities that the God of Scripture has equipped us with. Don't despair. Don't succumb to the fear of man. Proverbs 29 tells us, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. And my dear friends, as we fight this battle together in the days ahead against the hounds of hell, against the minions of evil, let us in faith, like Christian soldiers of old, march toward the victory. Until our next broadcast, this is Rick Tyler saying goodbye and may the God of Scripture bless and protect and inspire you in all that you do in your desire to serve him. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, right to bend time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law we will keep our people free. Through the jury we'll guard our liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people